You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. We here at the Plano Chamber are working hard on our events now. We would love to partner with you as a sponsor in many other ways. We'd love to connect with you and get you more information on how you can partner with us on these great events. Find out more at planochamber.org or contact any Plano Chamber staff. Thank you for joining us today for Plano Pulse. I'm Kelly Marcellus, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber. And I'm Ryan Minter, Director of Engagement for the Plano Chamber. Ryan, this is a fun switch up today to have you co-hosting with me. I think this is your first time on Plano Pulse, so welcome, welcome to the team. Thanks, Kelly. I'm super excited. This is going to be a great conversation. Not that I don't love to uh, hang out with you even more, but we actually brought you on the podcast today for a special reason. You know today's guest from high school, so I'm going to let you take it away and do the honors of introducing our guest today. Thanks, Kelly. That's right. Our guest today uh, and I go way back to Plano High School, Plano Senior High. We actually go all the way back to Shepherd Elementary if we want to get uh, technical about it. And back then, we always knew him as class president. Uh, I think he was class president at each of the schools we went to, in fact. Uh, But now he's known as Matt Cooper, CEO of Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes on topics ranging from illustration to video, creative writing to web development, business analytics, marketing, and so much more. Matt joined Skillshare in 2016 as the chief operating officer. He was named CEO in 2017. Prior to this, he had leadership roles with companies including Scribble Live, Visually, and Upwork. To name a few, he received his bachelor's degree and MBA from Vanderbilt University, and as we mentioned, is an esteemed Plano ISD alumnus. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, it's uh, not often we go all the way back to Shepherd, so good to see you. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I would be hard pressed to even remember the name of anyone I went to elementary school with, but I didn't, I didn't stay in the same school system the whole time is probably why, but uh, that, that's awesome. So, so good to hear. Well, Matt, Ryan touched a little bit about this in your introduction, but tell us a little bit more from your perspective, what is Skillshare and what are some of the services you provide? Yeah, I think you know Ryan uh, sort of touched on the the high level uh, open platform for online learning, specifically focused around creative skills. Um, so we have about thirteen thousand teachers from all over the world, offering about forty thousand classes. Uh, again, primarily focused on creative topics, so design, illustration, animation, fine arts, photography, um, but also you know things are sort of creative adjacent: cooking, gardening, uh, music, lifestyle classes. And really, you know, I think as we think about our business and our market, we have a a firm belief that if you are human, you are creative. So when we think about creative skills, it's not just, you know, watercolor in the park, wearing a beret and skinny jeans. It's meant to be much more approachable and accessible. Um, You know, everybody decorates their house. Everybody cooks. Everybody likes music. So our goal as a a brand and as a business is to find that creative thread in everyone and, and tease it out a bit. Very cool. Matt, talk to us a little bit about your business model. Um, Skillshare is similar to the Chamber in that it's membership driven, although you do offer, I think, some introductory classes. So what are the advantage of the the membership model versus paying per class or bundling classes? 
Yeah. So on the on the student side of the equation, it is an all you can eat subscription model. Um, so once you join, you have access to all uh, 40,000 classes in the catalog. And I think for us, if you look at the different business models out there, there's a reason why iTunes at $1.29 per song is dead. And that's because Spotify killed it. You know, everybody wants, we've just been conditioned to consume content through all you can eat subscription models, Netflix, Spotify, et cetera. And now Apple Music is shocker subscription. So we kind of think of the, think of our model the same way. Um, and I think also given that we are a creative focused platform, we want people to be able to test and try different things. And if the incremental cost of that next class is, class is zero, that just allows you to explore and maybe try some topics and um, learn some things you would not have learned otherwise. Um, if you have to pay for every, you know, every class, every minute, it's just, it sort of stifles that creativity that we're trying to drive. That's a really good point. Uh, you may, you may come on looking for one thing and then since you have access to it, you dive into 50 other things. That's right. We, we see a lot of that. And I guess similar to those music services, your content is driven by artists or teachers or the people that are, that are building the content. Um, how, how does that work as far as what's their involvement? How do they get compensated? What, what is the content creators side of it look like? Yeah. So on the, on the teacher side of things, it is a completely open platform. So anyone can come in and teach as long as they follow all of our guidelines and, and meet all of our standards. We review every single class that gets uploaded to make sure that it checks those boxes. But the, you know, once it's on the platform, we pay teachers by taking, so we take 30% of our, of our revenue uh, that goes into a royalty pool that royalty pool gets shared across the teachers based on their relative percentage of the minutes watched. So if you've got a hit class and it's 5% of the minutes that month, then you get 5% of 30% of our top line revenue. So our, our top two teachers are kind of neck and neck. They make right at a million dollars a year on the platform. Wow. Um, so, wow. Uh, you know, not a, not a bad side hustle. Uh, Where for, do I sign up? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and obviously, oh, I'm not an artist. I'd love to say that there were more than two making a million dollars a year, but um, uh, yeah, no, I think our, our best teachers really invest in their content and building their Skillshare following over time. And so that as they release that next class, you know, they have a built-in following base that that's ready to watch it. Um, So it's a, um, it's a pretty good model. And uh, I think particularly during COVID when a lot of our teachers, you know, most of our teachers are doing other things. They have, day jobs, they're consultants, they're freelancers, um, they're, they're teachers in some cases. When a lot of their day job dried up during COVID, we were a very nice, stable, predictable revenue stream and, and our business was taking off. So it was a um, nice value for that we could bring. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of variety in the content and classes if you're offering that many different options. How do you kind of determine or curate what you offer? Is it is it a is the demand the driver or is it more the access to what the teacher what teachers you have available? How does that work? Yeah, so we don't do a whole lot of I guess sort of targeted curation. You know, most of the you know, we have those thirteen thousand teachers are constantly trying to figure out what's going to be hot, new, and interesting for our membership. So a lot of the specific content decisions are focused on, you know, kind of what they see and, and what they're learning and where they see the creative world heading. Um, that said, we do produce roughly four classes a month ourselves that we call Skillshare Originals. 
and those originals, that's where we can do some curation. If we think, you know, music, you know, is a hot topic right now, we'll go, you know, find some big name influencers from the music world and have them come, you know, talk about what they do. Um, so we have a little bit of, of leverage to kind of guide the community, the teacher community, where we want it to go. If we, you know, we brought in Emily Henderson uh, from, she's on HGTV to teach a class on interior design. Not surprisingly, we had some interior design teachers pop up. So the community tends to follow what we do on the original side, which is a, a nice way for us to sort of subtly influence um, where the content goes. You know, Matt, you said uh, that you there's a vetting process and, and classes don't get uploaded until it's been reviewed by your team. And so that I have a little bit of a, I don't want you to air anybody's dirty laundry, but have there been classes submitted where you said, you know, that's just not a good fit topic wise or maybe just content wise? What what have you rejected? Uh, I mean, I think the, the one that always sticks out to me is the guy cooking rice in his kitchen wearing a tank top. You know, rice just isn't that complicated. Uh so I guess it's a step up from cereal or, or ice, but um, <laughs> it, uh, that, you know, that was not something we were interested in, unfortunately for him. Uh, you know, we had, I think we, we've made some steps over the years to just make sure that we're presenting content topics that are of interest to our community. And there was a lot of sort of drop shipping, you know, get rich quick while sitting at home in your socks and underwear, like that kind of stuff. Like we're looking to teach hard skills. We want things that people can actually go do. And every class is required to have a project. Uh, we want you to take the class, do the project, upload it to the site. You get feedback from the teachers. You get feedback from other students. That learn by doing component is a really important part of our pedagogy. So, um, you know, if it doesn't sort of check those boxes, it's probably not a fit for Skillshare. So what is the process if a teacher is interested in offering a course on Skillshare? What, how do they get involved in that? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's fairly open. We have a lot of help content to kind of guide teachers through creating their first class. We've got a lot of tips and tricks and, um, you know, what hardware do you need? What, I mean, you can do some amazing work with a low-cost microphone and, a, and an iPhone uh, shooting your video. So then there's sort of techniques around just how to structure your content and how to make it engaging, how to design your project. So we've got a lot of help content on the site. And then we run some programs uh, we call a Teach Challenge to basically it's sort of a cohort-based model to help first-time teachers get up and running and get their first class created and uploaded. Um, and we try to give plenty of feedback so that we're giving them good direction along the way. And we're clear about, again, what we want and what we don't want. We don't want drop shipping content. We do want creative content so that they don't create a class, upload it, and then we reject it and send it back to them after they've done all the work. So we try to provide a lot of information up front to make sure that they're on the right track and we're being respectful of their time as well. Well, that is awesome. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned for more conversation with Matt Cooper, including his dream Skillshare teacher. Uh, I can think of a few that I would like to see. We'll be right back with more Plano Pulse. Leadership Plano is accepting applications for Class 39. The deadline is June 15th at midnight. The program runs from September through May with a required overnight weekend retreat September 10 and 11. Leadership Plano focuses on creating community awareness and developing individual and community leadership skills. Learn more at leadershipplano.org. Apply now. Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Matt Cooper, CEO of Skillshare. 
Matt, how did the pandemic affect your business? I know for a lot of us, we spent a lot of time looking in the mirror, standing around our house, kind of locked in for a while. And I think that caused a lot of us to try to learn new skills and get creative. And, you know, I've always wanted to learn how to screen print t-shirts or uh, start an Etsy store doing this or that. And so how did, how did that affect you uh, in the industry? Yeah, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a pretty crazy year in 2020, obviously for lots of reasons, but um, I remember sort of sitting at my desk in early to mid March, kind of looking at the numbers thinking, Hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Uh, and literally on March 16th, like the numbers just started to take off. Uh, and we saw by late March, we were seeing daily new users at 4X what we normally saw. Um, so in March, April, May, June, were just bananas. Um, and like you said, everybody's sitting at home trying to figure out what the hell to do with their time. Hey, why not? It's a good time to go figure out that project you've always wanted to figure out. And so for most of 2020, we basically ended the year in 2020 where we thought we were going to end 2021. So it was just a crazy year of growth for us. And, you know, I think particularly on, well, I really on both sides, I guess on the student and the teacher side, I mean, what we heard a lot from our users was it is just a crazy, unsettling, anxiety inducing time in the world at large and having something constructive and positive and, anxiety reducing to do at home with my family, with my kids, with my friends went a long way. So that was uh, obviously, uh, you know, a nice silver lining given everything going on. And so it really, you know, it has accelerated our business quite a bit. And, you know, the old adage of you have to see a brand seven times before you really remember it. Maybe we didn't get all seven in that year, but we probably got four or five. So I think our, you know, we're just more on the map today than we were uh, pre-COVID. Is there anything from that surge that, in hindsight, if you knew the surge was coming, you would have done differently or wish you'd have been in a different position when it came in or was where you were set and ready for the crowd? You know, I think the overall, the business held up on these kind of onslaught of volume very well. You know, this is the beauty of a, you know, of a business like ours. You can scale up really rapidly when you need to. I think there is... A, there's a very, very long list of things I wish we had done uh, in advance of that onslaught. You know, just around, particularly for our international users, we have a very international user base. We're about, about half of all of our active members are outside of the U.S. Um, yet we have not done any, we had not done any localization of content. There's no local language, no local teachers, or no local language teachers, um, no local payment methods. Um, so it just we were. Despite all of that, we've had this massive international user base. I think if we had been able to, if the site was localized, if we had local payment methods, if we had local teachers and local language content, we probably could have served a much larger part of the world in a much better way. Uh, now we've we've done all that since then, so we're sort of kicking all that off now. But I think that's a that was certainly an opportunity missed given just the sheer volume of traffic we had coming our way. Well, I think it's such an interesting time because, you know, we probably saw folks that work in the arts and some of these skills more impacted than others initially. So what a great opportunity to, to be able to continue to share their skills and 
make some money along the way. So also positive on that side as well. Well, shifting gears a little bit to you specifically, a lot of your career, it looks like from the research that we did has been in tech, specifically connecting freelancers or consultants with customers. How do you feel like your previous roles really prepared you for what you do with Skillshare now? Yeah, there's definitely a sort of a logical sequencing here that, you know, I'd love to say was very deliberate, but it was probably just lucky. I was at Odesk, which became Upwork um, from 2009 to 2014. Big freelancer platform, open-sided, two-sided marketplace model for freelancers, um, very global in nature. I ran operations. I built out the enterprise business. I ran BD. uh, So just got to do a lot of different things there in this two-sided model. Went from there to Visually, which was a similar marketplace-driven model, more focused on enterprise sales, um, specifically of creative services to brands and, and agencies. So that sort of connected the dots between, yes, I had a freelancer component that I picked up at Upwork, but now I was layering in the heavy creative component. So then, you know, when Skillshare came along, it was kind of the perfect mix for me, two-sided business model, open platform, um, very much freelancer driven. Most of our teachers are freelancers and independents, and then also the creative angle. So it, it, things definitely kind of lined up over the last couple roles, and and I think also just the size and stage that Skillshare was at at the time. They were going through a lot of the growing pains that I had seen in other places. So I had some some muscle memory and some scar tissue to uh, put to work, and you know help them get to that next stage of growth. You know, Matt, I have to ask you, we're, since we're doing this podcast and we like ratings, let's talk for a second about some celebrity <laughs> appearances you've had on Skillshare. We couldn't help but notice some uh, influencers and celebrities getting involved. So uh, how do those partnerships come about or are they just finding you on their mm-hmm. own? Yeah, so that's part of the uh, the Skillshare Originals model that I mentioned earlier. So we have we produce about four a month, and and we'll go out and and sign partnerships with bigger name influencers from different creative categories. So, you know, Jonathan Van Ness was a more recent one, and he sort of talked about his more sort of, that was more of a lifestyle class of just, you know, how does he keep himself in a creative zone and uh, sort of de-stress, you know, anxiety. Uh, I mentioned Emily Henderson from HGTV. Uh, We've got a guy, Aaron Draplin, who is um, sort of a, a famous logo designer, um, and so we'll go out and bring these big names onto the platform. And it's, you know, it's a relatively small percentage of our total content, but as you would imagine, it drives a lot of engagement, a lot of acquisition, a lot of brand equity. It's just good for Skillshare's name to be next to these people, but also it sets a really high bar for the community content, you know, by having these celebrities teaching classes that we are producing the content's great. The engagement's great. The structure of the learning is great. So it's, it's a, you know, in any of these open marketplace models, you tend to end up focusing on how do you get the bad stuff off and you don't really have a lever to how do you get the good stuff to be great. And like, and that's part of what originals do for us is it sets a really high bar for the community teachers to aspire to. Uh, and it's a big draw for them. Like now they get to teach next to the people that they idolize and they look up to. Um, so it's a really nice combination. But yeah, those uh, the originals classes are a lot of fun. I don't get to I don't get to see nearly as many of these famous people in person as I'd like because uh, um, I'm not adding much to the process, so it's not worth the expense. But yeah, who knows? Maybe if there's a if there's a name I'm really fired up about, I might just randomly show up. 
Well, and speaking of that, who is your dream Skillshare teacher and what type of class do you think they would provide? Oh man, that's a tough one. You know, I think I am, uh, so I have a, I'm definitely obsessed with Foo Fighters. So if we could get Dave Grohl to teach something, that would be pretty amazing. You know, I think my, like my perfect afternoon would be like hanging out on the couch with Dave Grohl and Jason Witten watching football and <laughs> you know, J- James Hetfield's in the kitchen whipping up some artichoke dip. You know, that's uh, so maybe some, some combination of those. I don't know. Wow. That would, that would definitely be a, a boost, I think, in uh, viewership for that, for that trio. But, um, well, very good. Very interesting. I, uh, I would be looking down your celebrity chef row, um, I think, if I had my choice. So, I don't know. Ryan, what about you? What do you think would be an interesting? Oh, gosh. You throw me through. <laughs> we probably don't have time to go through the list that you yeah, would come probably, I guess Patrick Mahomes probably yeah. come to you something. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, Matt, the, the platform is great. It, it breaks down barriers like we talked about in the beginning where you may come on for one thing and, and pick up on another thing you're interested in and just keep the process going. And one of the themes I'm picking up on today is the quality of the product and the quality of, of what you're learning on Skillshare. And I wonder if you've ever looked at or have you considered, talked about any actual uh, paper accreditations or working with uh, certifications and that sort of thing, or you want to keep it open-ended yeah no that's a it's a pretty common request um if you look at our our user base it's roughly 40 percent professionals and 60 percent hobbyists and that's very rough and and there's a lot of gray area in between but we have a lot of interest in certifications particularly for the professionals or for the people who are trying to switch into a creative field and it's particularly strong demand in a lot of international markets you know, where they are looking for credentials that would be recognized kind of on a, on a global basis. So that is something that we are looking at. Um, we have what we call learning paths today, um, where if you want to go from sort of zero to hero in Adobe Photoshop, um, we'll give you a sequence of classes that you can take to kind of work your way up uh, and, and really reach a, a significant level of proficiency. So that's a kind of a logical place for us to tack on a, a certification process. And we can, you know, I think that what we're still trying to figure out is, is that sort of a lowercase C certification, which is basically a, Hey, I completed the class check or, you know, do you complete the class? You complete a bunch of classes. Then you finish a, you, you complete a bunch of projects that are related then you go in front of an expert panel. Like we can do, we could do the capital C certification as well. So it's really just, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're looking at in terms of just making sure we've got the right, the right new product and we've got product market fit, what exactly do people want? And the reality is they probably want both. They're just different levels of intensity and different price points if that's something that we tackle on. So um, there are definitely plans there. We don't, we're still kind of working through exactly what that's going to look like. Sure. And do you, just to throw another question in there, do you break down your usership by age and see if you have a high following of students or you know, kind of in addition to that question, are there companies sending their professionals through or is it mostly individual based? Yeah. So on the, the demographics, you know, we do every year, we'll do kind of a market research study of, of our users. And roughly speaking, our largest demographic is um, 25 to 34. Fastest growing is 18 to 24. Right. 80% of our users are younger than 40. Um, so we skew younger, but it's pr- more it's certainly more of the post-college crowd. 
but we see a lot of university professors sending students to Skillshare uh, to take advantage of the free trial and take you know this one specific class as a as an enrichment. And we've started selling more subscriptions and sort of group subscriptions to to um, school districts and, and colleges. On the enterprise side, that's actually a, a growing part of the business. It was a relatively small percentage of our sales couple of years ago, but it's been doubling every year for the last couple of years, and it should double again this year. And as our consumer brand and our consumer business got stronger, we've just been pulled in to the enterprises. Um, and companies are looking at Skillshare. Kind of, we sort of sit at this intersection of learning and development on one hand, but also perk and benefit and health and wellness on the other. If you're a designer, marketer, et cetera, obvious connection to learning and development for your for your role. Not quite as clear if you're a data scientist or a, an accountant, but there are a lot of soft skills, presentation skills, speaking skills, writing. Um, there's a lot of things that everyone needs in their job. Uh, but then there's the, the perk benefit health wellness. And I think particularly post-COVID, a lot of companies that aren't sitting in the office offering, you know, beer carts and coffee in the morning, they're trying to figure out what the, you know, what they can offer and Companies like Calm and Headspace have seen a pretty significant uptick in their enterprise business. And I think that's a lot of what's driving enterprise traffic to Skillshare as well. I saw you, Ryan. Don't get any ideas on the beer cart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know uh, we're running low on time, but I can't let uh, Matt off the hook without a couple. This is a two-parter, Matt. Do you, do you make it back to Plano very often? And uh, speaking of class presidency, that puts you in charge of class reunions. And so do you have any updates for us on the forthcoming class reunion? Yeah. So, uh, so I've not been back much. My, my dad unfortunately moved to, uh, North Carolina now. So, uh, I don't have his, I don't have an excuse to get back very often. My sister lives in Austin. Uh, my brother lives in Lubbock. So I just have not gotten back much. Yeah. For the reunion. Yeah. That's the, uh, if they had told me that 30 years later, I'd still be planning reunions. I don't know. If, uh, I, I might have thrown the election and let Reggie, uh, one of those guys win it. Yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess it'll be fall of 2023. And yeah, I got to, you know, pretty soon I got to get on it. I guess I, I got I got about a year and then I'll have to start figuring it out. But as you can imagine, planning a reunion for 1,500 kids or 1,300 kids, lots of opinions. So uh, oh, yeah. it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting. I- are either one of you going to admit which reunion it is? <laughs> yeah, I think you let it slip. It's 30. It's oh, 30. okay. Which is hard, hard to imagine. But it's, we were at a time when uh, like we were just before social media and everything else. So just tracking everyone down seems like it would be yeah. uh, a challenge. Yeah. I mean, we've got a Facebook group for, for anyone listening. Uh, we do have a Facebook group, but you know, there's a lot of people aren't on Facebook and have no interest in being on Facebook. So uh, yeah, it definitely takes uh, takes uh, some creative work to track everybody down. Well, you're doing better than me. I, I graduated with 88 and I haven't been to a reunion yet. I think they've only had one and the rest of them all fell apart. So we're all <laughs> pre-social media classes. We're all, we're all pretty bad about staying in touch. Yeah, it's a little tougher. Well, Matt, thank you so much. This is unfortunately all the time we have for today because I have so many more questions. But tell us where um, tell us where we can find out more about Skillshare. Yeah, so you can just go to Skillshare.com. Uh, we have a, a free trial that you can sign up for and try it out for uh, for a bit. See if there's anything that catches your attention. And um, you know, I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great. It's actually a great thing to do with your kids. Uh, 
I'm learning to knit with my sixth grader. Uh, so uh, maybe, you know, who knows? I'll have a nice sweater for you by the reunion, Ryan. <laughs> Awesome. awesome. Well, I, for one, am definitely signing up. I, like I said, I want to get in there and look at some of those cooking classes and who knows, maybe I'll find something else. So thanks again so much uh, for being here thanks, with Matt. us today. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for your time thank today. You. Thanks for having me. And if you're interested in reaching our Plano Pulse listeners, support the Plano Chamber and the podcast by becoming a sponsor. Contact the Plano Chamber team to learn more. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think, share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Hey everyone, Kelly Marcellus here, your president and CEO of the Plano Chamber. Are you looking to kickstart your Friday morning with dozens of local business owners and professionals? Set your alarm and join us for our weekly business interchange meetings for networking worth waking up early for. Meetings are held at 7.30 a.m. every Friday morning. Join us and share your 30-second commercial promoting your business and be the first to hear what's going on with other local businesses. Visit planochamber.org to learn more and we'll see you next Friday.